O God of wisdom, by your Spirit, may your word be proclaimed so that we may know good news in our hearts and minds and bear witness to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ in our words and in our deeds. Now quiet in us any voice but yours so that we may hear your word to us today. Amen. Our scripture lesson is from the sixth chapter of Romans, starting at the twelfth verse. So then, don't let sin rule your body so that you do what it wants. Don't offer parts of your body to sin to be used as weapons to do wrong. Instead, present yourselves to God as people who have been brought back to life from the dead and offer all the parts of your body to God to be used as weapons to do right. Sin will have no power over you because you aren't under the law, but under grace. So what? Should we sin because we aren't under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, that you are slaves of the one whom you obey. That's true whether you serve as slaves of sin, which leads to death, or slaves of the kind of obedience that leads to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you gave wholehearted obedience to the teaching that was handed down to you, which provides a pattern. Now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking with ordinary metaphors because of your limitations. Now, that's Paul saying that, not me. <laughs> Once you offered the parts of your body to be used as slaves to impurity and to lawless behavior that leads to still more lawless behavior, now you should present the parts of your body as slaves of righteousness, which makes your lives holy. When you were slaves of sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What consequences did you get from doing things that you are now ashamed of? The outcomes of those things is death, but now, now you have become, been set free from sin and become slaves to God. You have the consequences of a holy life and the outcome is eternal life. The wages that sin pays are death. But God's gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus is, I'm sorry, God's gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Praise Thanks be to God. O oh Lord, may I, my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the great state of Georgia where I grew up, the first question a stranger is likely to get, well, it depends on what city you're in. In Atlanta, also called Hotlanta, they ask, what line of work are you in? In Macon, Georgia, where I went to high school, they ask, who is your father? <laughs> in Augusta, where I lived for a while, they say, who is your grandfather? <laughs> and in Savannah, Georgia, the question they ask you is, what would you like to drink? 
Well, as descriptive of that is of those four cities, I had a friend who lived in Atlanta who had a different perspective. She told me that when she went to parties or social events where she would meet new people, she avoided asking particular questions because she saw it as rudely intrusive. She would not ask someone she just met what line of work they were in or what was their job. Well, you know, I just couldn't resist asking, why not? She said, well, such questions were too close to asking, how much money do you make? <laughs> <laughs> I did think of that in meeting Doug's son and daughter-in-law the other day, and I asked him, what line of work are y'all in? <laughs> and she didn't act like it was a rude question, thankfully. Um, well, you know that I often start sermons with a question for you today, but today I have two questions that my Atlanta friend would consider very rude. What are you a slave to and what are your wages? These are the two questions we have to ask ourselves if we want to understand how these verses we read from Romans 6 apply to our lives today. What are you a slave to? What are your wages? Yes, I know it's risky to talk about slavery as we approach our American celebration of Independence Day on July 4th, a time when we affirm our belief in our God-given right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and either a trip to the beach or mountains or at least to grill something. <laughs> in the 1700s, our ancestors wanted freedom from, freedom from taxation without representation, freedom from meddling in our affairs by a king or a parliament far, far from us, freedom from governmental meddling in how we speak, how we associate, how we worship. Our revolutionary ancestors basically told England and King George, we can't live by your rules, man. They told that tea tax in English Parliament, you ain't the boss of us. We wanted then and we want now freedom from unwarranted, unnecessary, and unwelcome constraints. But Paul tells us that freedom from, that's not what it's all about. It's freedom for. Now in a little while, we're going to sing what's been called our national hymn, America the Beautiful. When we sing that, notice the second verse. The second verse asks God to mend our nation's every flaw. And we're called on to confirm thy soul in self-control, a liberty and law. That's not freedom from, that's freedom for. Freedom from sin requires ongoing resistance to it, an active self-offering to God. Notice that in Paul's writing, he doesn't really talk about sins with an S, but sin. Now, as an elementary school child, I learned questions and answers from what was called the Shorter Catechism. Uh, that's one of the many documents in our Book of Confessions. The Book of Confessions is the first half of our denomination's constitution. Catechism questions designed to help 
children and new believers and people generally to, to learn about our faith. And the 14th question was a simple question with a complicated answer. The question is, what is sin? And the answer from that old Westminster Confession of Faith was, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Well, that took a while for me to, I had to ask a lot of questions about what's that mean? Uh, I was an elementary student. I came to understand that first half of the question meant not doing what I was supposed to, and the second half meant doing what I wasn't supposed to. And I know some men who translate that as doing what my wife says do and not. <laughs> well, this is one view, but from the view of the Apostle Paul, sin is not just a little something I wasn't supposed to do or something I should have done and didn't, but sin is a powerful force of vast proportions. For Paul, they're basically two great powers. There's sin and there's God. In the 17th verse, Paul says that we need, that though we used to be slaves of sin, we are now liberated in order to give wholehearted obedience. And in that next verse, he says, now that you've been set free from sin, you become slaves of righteousness. Now, he put it another way when he wrote to the Galatians. He said, you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve each other through love. Or, as that Nobel Prize-winning poet, Bob Dylan, put it, you may be an ambassador to England or France, you may like to gamble, you might like to dance, you may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're gonna to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're gonna to have to serve somebody. So the first question you remember was, what are you a slave to? And the second, what are your wages? Paul tells us in that 22nd verse, you've been set free from sin and become slaves to God. You have the consequences of a holy life. And the outcome is eternal life. And just in case you missed it, he tells us again, the wages of sin pays are death. But God's gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And make sure that you don't you don't even come close to thinking that somehow you can earn your way into eternal life with Christ. Not a one of us is good enough, capable of that. Paul tells us that eternal life in Christ is not some reward for all our noble efforts. You know, we did our best. It's a gift from God. So each of us, all of us, have choices to make. We live in a situation in some ways not all that different from the children of Israel when Joshua spoke to them and said, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. 
whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And then Joshua said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Now unto him who is able to keep you and me from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of God's glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power now and forevermore. Amen.